0: You're listening to the Vintage
1: Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.
0: We hope you enjoy today's teaching. Hey, welcome to Vintage Church. Uh, my name is Matt. And I get the honor of being one of the pastors here at Vintage. If today is your first time worshiping with us, welcome. We're glad that you're here. We hope that you will find a home here if you're looking for a church home. And we would love to get to know you. If you're a first-timer with us today, before you leave the campus today, do us a favor. Stop by that White Connections tent. Fill out just a quick little card just so that we can get some information so that we can love on you and follow up with you and connect with you. That would be really, really awesome if you would do that. We have a free gift that we like to put in your hands. We're not going to hound you. We're not going to show up at your house. We're not going to do anything crazy. We just realize that when you come to a church for the first time, it can be kind of unique and different, and we want to answer any questions that you might have. Um, and just find ways to connect. Cause There's a lot going on around our church outside of Sunday morning mornings. Believe it or not, there's tons of things. Life groups are going on. There's all kinds of things happening. Uh, In a month, a little over a month, we're actually going back to Haiti. Um, Maybe if you're new to our church, every other year we take a team uh, and we work on a little island off the coast of Port-au-Prince called Laganov. And we have a team of 12 that's going to be leaving April the 26th. And so would you do me a favor? Would you commit to praying for that team? Uh, They're continuing to raise the funds they need and we're preparing. It's going to be a really intense trip. Like I think like Like, we're camping out and stuff. This is going to be crazy. Um, So just pray for our team. It's a little bit anxious, and we're preparing for that. Also, they're continuing to try to raise funds. I've had people ask, how can I support the Haiti trip? If you want to sponsor one of our team members, you can do that really easily. It just, just... uh, send a donation online, electronically, or through a check, just put Haiti 2017 in the comment section, and that'll go to help kind of boost those funds if you're interested in supporting the team members of that trip. It's just going to be awesome. Another thing I want to make you aware of is once a quarter, corporately, we come together to love on our community. Uh, we believe that outreach and, and service is not something you wait for the church to tell you to do. Amen? That was really weak. <laughs> uh, maybe you don't believe that. Amen. Like as believers, as people who love Jesus, we're supposed to be serving people, right? We're supposed to be loving on people, telling people about Jesus every day, no matter where we are. I thought I'd get an amen right there, too. Sorry, ah, uh, thank you. Um, but on April the first, we're going to corporately come together to love on our community, and we try to do this again once a quarter. And we're going to love on this school. This has always been ground zero for our ministry. This school, its families. Obviously, our reach goes beyond this, but um. On Saturday, April the 1st, we're going to do like a random middle school beautification day. There's a lot of projects, especially around the exterior of the building, that the schools wanted to do but haven't had the resources and the manpower to do that. Well, we have resources and manpower, and so we're going to make that happen. So if you would put on your calendars um, Saturday... April the 1st, we're going to start at 8 o'clock that morning, and we're just going to do all kinds of cool things. And you might think, like, I don't have a green thumb. That's okay. You can, you can hand somebody some water or something that day. We can use you. Um, if you have our app, the event is located in the event section of our app, and there's a link within that that you can RSVP to show up that day, and you can email Jasmine, who's kind of helping coordinate this event for us, if you want more details. But go ahead and mark your calendars, and let's love on our community, and let's show up in a big way. And this is who we are, church, that we make a difference on this place, in this campus, in this community. And so let's show up that day and do something awesome and love on our community. With me, say amen. Amen. Well, today we are in part two of a series that we're calling ups and downs as we study the life of David, because the reality is life is a roller coaster. And today I'm going to actually be stepping off the platform, uh, because when th- when this topic came on my heart, um, God put this man on my heart to bring this message to you, because he embodies what he's going to be teaching today. So today you get to hear from one of my favorite people on the planet, one of our associate pastors, Casey Harris. Would you just show him some love Give it up for him. Make him feel loved and welcome and glad to be here as he brings the word to us this morning. I love you, man. Amen.
1: You keep shouting, I'll keep preaching. How about that? Huh? Amen. Can I just can I can I pick on Matt for a second? Isn't he cute? (laughs) I love it when I hug him and I'm, like, touching the ribs on the other side. Eat a cheeseburger, please. I love him. He's awesome, man. Uh, Yeah, he asked me to talk about relationships. And I'll I'll be honest with you. I'm going to be transparent as I know how to be. I'm going to say, man, I got this, man. Like, that's what I do. I do relationships. I'm a principal. I'm a preacher. I got this. And then God does what God always does with Scripture. You open it up, right? He told me, he said, you know, uh, Matt said, here's what we're going to talk about. We're talking about David. We're in this series about David. And I'm like, David and Jonathan, man, no brainer. Got this. And then God shows up and goes, hey, moron, there's more to it than what you think. Okay? But you know what the Bible does? The Bible, like, wrecks our world, right? It, like, turns, our, turns us upside down, smacks us in the face, makes us, makes us realize we don't know everything. Right? And I love that about the Bible. Um, but if you would, turn your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 18. 1 Samuel 18, we're going to spend the majority of our time there. <clears throat> While you're turning there, doing it on your phone or your Bible, whatever. Um, I want to talk a little bit about something that's near and dear to my heart. I hate social media. Like, I despise it. All right? I'm not on Facebook. I'm not on Twitter. I'm going to do Snapchat any of that stuff, okay? Uh, and and I do, I'm intentional about that, because I don't care that you picked your nose and posted on Facebook, right? It doesn't matter to me. And a lot of it is because I deal with the negative side of that. I deal with people who post things that they're not mature enough to post, and say things they're not mature enough to understand. And I deal with a lot of the fallout of that um, in our schools and things like that. But Whether you like social media or not, and you can like it, it's okay. I'm not going to hate you, all right? But whether you like it or not, I think we can all agree that over the past 10 to 12 years, social media has totally changed the way we interact with each other. Can Can we come together and agree on that today, okay? I know there's good things. I get it. I get all that, and that's fine. All I'm saying is, if we're honest, it's totally changed the way we interact with one another. And even though I don't do social media and I don't really care for it, it fascinates me. And as I was preparing for this sermon, I actually came across a couple of studies that they have been doing as they collect data on social media. And one of them was basically summed up like this. It says, for Facebook users, the average Facebook user has 338 friends. This study went on to say that over 15% of Facebook users have at least five hundred friends. That's thought that was staggering, because it, it made this light bulb go off in my head, and it said, "How can anybody have five hundred friends? How is that even possible? It's like back in the Old Testament when they used to have like five hundred wives. <laughs> what were they thinking, right? How can you have time?" To truly invest and go deep with five hundred other people, right? And, and, it, and it really kind of sparked something within me, and it made me ask this question: Having five hundred friends, it, 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 man, it just seemed like a ton of bricks. Is this? Is this? Is this? Not only is this possible, but is this? Is this what quality friendship is all about? You see, what this told me was we use the word friend almost, almost as flippantly and haphazardly as we use the word love. Gets said a bunch, but rarely meant. And if that's true, then we have to ask this question. How do we create uncommon friendships in a world where friendships are taken for granted. How do we do that? And so today, that's what I want to talk about. Uncommon friendships. And that's what we're going to see in 1 Samuel chapter 18. If you will, let's, let's read, starting in verse 1. The Bible says, After David had finished talking with Saul, Jonathan became one in spirit with David, and he loved him as himself. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow, and his belt. Let's pray. Father... We come into your presence, God, asking for two things. First, God, that you make room for only you. God, may your Holy Spirit fill every nook and cranny of this space. God, may your presence be so thick that it's undeniable. And God, secondly, we ask that you do work as only you can. God, cleanse my heart and my mind. Give me the words you'd have me say. And God, may you have your will and your way this day. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 1 Samuel 18, we got a story of David and Jonathan. But before we unpack that, let's talk about friendship. Friendship's costly. You ever been a friend with somebody? It's costly, isn't it? It'll cost you something. You know, I, I think about when we use the term friend and we have friendship. You know, it opens us up to a lot of things. We have to be willing to be on call. We have to be willing to listen. We have to be willing to be available. We have to be willing to be a part of someone else's life. It's costly. Can I tell you something? It's cheaper to sit at home by yourself. It is. Friendship's costly. costly. The second thing, friendship will always demand grace. It always demands grace. Hey, guess what? We're all people, but we ain't all alike. Yeah, we ain't all alike. And we can't, we can't, you know, be around the same person for long patches of time in tight quarters, right? Tough. Speaking of that. Last night, raise your hand if you've ever been to escape room at Kersey Valley. Anybody ever been there? Raise your hand. Okay, I'm the only moron in the place, I guess. <laughs> so Rebecca and I went with a couple. Uh, there was four of us. We went to go do this escape room. If you don't know what it is, I'm going to show my ignorance here. If you don't know what it is, you pay people money to lock you in a room, and you figure out how to get out in an hour. Okay? Um, and it was actually kind of fun. But, but none of us had been before, and we thought, hey, the four of us will be in a room. We'll try to get out, you know. And, but no, we get there, and we're about to go in, and they put us with a group of like six girls. No offense, women. I know y'all are smarter than us. I give you all the props. But y'all talk way too much. <laughs> I love you, but you talk a lot. And there was this one girl. We walk in. They slam the door behind you. The lady had prepped us. She said, look, you know, there's going to be a screen in there. It's going to have a countdown timer, 60 minutes. Um, you know, if you get stumped, you know, no details too small. If you get stumped, just say something. We'll give you a clue. And I'm like, okay. We, they shut the door. The, the timer starts. It starts ticking off. We ain't been, we've been there maybe 30 seconds. And this girl, who I guess was the ringleader, she's like, hey, have you ever done this before? Before we can answer, she's like, I've done this before. Uh, I'm stumped. I think we need to ask for a clue. And like, we're all looking for clues, everybody's looking for clues, I'm looking for a ball bat to hit this girl right in the face with, because I'm like, there ain't no way, there ain't no way I'm standing here for an hour. Somebody better start figuring something out, because she's already annoying the crap out of me, right? Now, me and this girl wasn't friends, all right? But my point is, friendship demands grace. It demands grace. It's costly, right? But it demands grace. And you get, can I tell you something? It's a whole lot easier to sit at home by yourself, right? And not have to deal with people that are different than you are, that are messier than you are, whose life is upside down when yours is right. It's hard. It demands grace. Friendship is, friendship is also worth the extra effort that it takes. Friendship's worth the extra effort that it takes Church, listen to me. The very nature of the creator of the universe, God Almighty, represents himself as a trinity. God in substance, God as deity, is represented in three forms. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know what that tells me? God's all about community. You were not created to live this life alone. You were created for community. God has ordained you for community. Community happens through friendship. Church, it's so much easier to sit on the sidelines and stay out of the messiness of friendship. But can I tell you something, church? It's not better that way. It's not better that way. Uncommon friendship... Let's talk about what we just read. Jonathan and David. Now, let me just tell you something. They're going to wind up being uncommon friends. But can I tell you, tradition would have them be mortal enemies. You see, Jonathan was the son of King Saul, the first king of Israel. Jonathan was the rightful heir to the throne. But you see, Saul had sinned against God, so God had pulled his spirit from Saul and had placed it on the mantle of David Jonathan was the rightful heir the rightful king but David had already been anointed as the future king of Israel now what does that tell you it means Jonathan should have killed David because as a future heir to the throne his job was to eradicate any other threat to his throne but instead, Jonathan and David should have been sworn enemies, but they become uncommon friends. So let's talk about what does it take to be an uncommon friend. First, it takes an uncommon commitment. An uncommon commitment. Look at verse 3, 1 Samuel chapter 18. The Bible says, And Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. You need to highlight or circle or underline that word covenant. That's a great word. Nobody says that word anymore. That's an that's old school biblical word, covenant. Covenant. I love that word. Matter of fact, we have a third child. I'm naming it Covenant Harris. Done. Done deal. I love that word. And there's a lot of different definitions, but the most basic definition is an agreement between two or, two or more people to do or not do something specific. An agreement between two or more people to do or not do something specific. That's what a covenant is. And the Bible tells us that Jonathan and David, first off in verse one, Jonathan was knit together with David spiritually. Right? They bonded as one spiritually. And here we have in verse three, they made a covenant together. Well, what is a covenant? Well, the first thing a covenant gives us is that it creates a relationship. Read the Bible from cover to cover. Whenever you see a covenant, it's always going to create a relationship. My wife and I, we have a covenant relationship. Do you know that? We have a covenant relationship. Not because she's the total package, even though she is. Okay? Okay. Not because she knows how to cook. She does. Question mark. (laughs) That's not why we have a covenant relationship. Our covenant relationship is based on one thing and one thing only. Love. Love. I have a covenant relationship with my wife because I love her. She has one with me because she loves me. I think hers has some optional paperwork in hers, but um, she loves me. The heart of every covenant is a relationship, and that relationship centers around love. Let's talk about that relationship. You know, a lot of people talk about Jesus didn't come off the cross because he was, he was nailed to it. Can I tell you something? He was the creator of the universe. He stayed on the cross not because of the nails, because of love. It don't get much better in a covenant relationship than that. Hey, Jesus loved us. He created a covenant with us. The second thing, a covenant will always call for a sacrifice. Can I tell you something? If you're sitting here today and you've had a friendship that's gone wrong, or someone's stabbed you in the back, or someone's betrayed you, or someone's gotten mad at you for no reason, or someone's turned your world upside down. Can I tell you something? Uncommon friendships will always call you to sacrifice. Remember I told you friendship's costly. It's dirty. It's uncomfortable at times. It's always going to call for a sacrifice. What are you ready to give? Let me give you some examples of this. One of the first covenants mentioned in the Bible is called the Edenic Covenant. It's a covenant between God and Adam in the Garden of Eden. In Genesis 2, verse 16, it says, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. What happened? Adam ate. Adam died. There's a sacrifice After the Edenic covenant, you have the Adamic covenant, the Adam's covenant. In Genesis 3, verse 20, the man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. And the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. You know the story. They eat of the tree of knowledge of good and evil, and God's walking through the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day. He says, Adam, where are you? They say, oh, we're over here. We hid because... We were naked and afraid. God said, who told you you were naked? And that scripture comes up, and God God kills animals and takes their skins and makes clothing for Adam and Eve. Because guess what? Without the shedding of blood, the book of Hebrews tells us, there is no remission of sin. Whenever a covenant is broken, it's going to call for a sacrifice. Covenant relationships call for sacrifice. After the Adamic covenant, there's the Noahic covenant. In Genesis 8, verse 20, Then Noah built an altar to the Lord, taking some of all the clean animals, clean birds, and he sacrificed burnt offerings to to the Lord. The Lord smelled and was pleased by the aroma and said in his heart, Never again will I curse the ground because of the humans, even though every inclination of the human heart is evil from childhood, and never again will I destroy all living creatures as I have done. Covenant required a sacrifice. You keep on. There's the Mo, the Abrahamic covenant, the Mosaic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and then guess what? In John three sixteen, the Bible says the new covenant is established when Jesus said, "For God so loved the world." Right? Jesus, Jesus said it by living it. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever should believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus said in the upper room at the last supper, hey, take of my body and eat, take of my blood and drink, because that is the new covenant. He was the sacrifice. Covenants create relationships. They call for sacrifices, but also they carry no expiration dates. They carry no expiration dates. Turn to 1 Samuel chapter twenty. I'm gonna set the stage a little bit. Saul, Saul's king, and David's gone missing. You see, back in those days, it was a capital offense if the king invited you to supper and you didn't, you no showed. And David's already missed one, and now it's it's night two. Supper's prepared, and there's no David. And David's in hiding because Saul has already tried to kill him. He hates him. And Jonathan, whose soul is knit together with David, he says, hey, let me go to my father's house. Let me find out why he's mad at you. Because you know what? Even friends that are knit together don't always get along. David's saying, look, man, how can I trust you? You're the rightful heir. How do I know you're not just going to go and say, hey, Saul, he's hiding up there in the cave? How do I know? And Jonathan says, man, listen to me. Look at what he says in verse 42 of chapter 20. Jonathan said to David, go in peace, for we have sworn friendship each to the other. In the name of the Lord saying, the Lord is witness between you and me and between your descendants and my descendants. What? Forever. Forever. You see, Jonathan was willing to go against the wishes of his father to look after David because they had a covenant that carried no expiration date. Let me let, let me frame this a little different. I got, I got a three year old daughter, who is mean as a snake. <laughs> the other day she did something she wasn't supposed to do, and I'm I'm ripping her for it. I'm trying because I want to make her better, right? I'm like, look, you know you messed up. Don't sit there and stick your bottom lip out because you messed up. I still love you, but you messed up. And she looks up at me, that bottom lip sticking out at least thirty feet, and she goes. <sighs> I love you too, daddy. But I don't love you tomorrow. (laughs) Wasn't it awesome to be three? You could say whatever. She loved me, but she wasn't going to love me tomorrow. Right? And we laugh. (laughs) But isn't that exactly how we act? You know, we invest in people. We create covenants with people. We trust, we open up ourselves and allow other people in. And the moment things blow up, instead of hunkering down and believing in God, we give up and let the devil have his way. Now, listen to me. I'm not saying be a doormat. Trust me, I'm not saying. Roll over and be a doormat. I think you can love people with grace and with truth. I'm just saying, God didn't call us to have 500 Facebook friends that we have that much in common with. Man, God called us for community. Church, he called us to have that that uncommon friendship. that creates relationships, right? That calls for sacrifice and it carries no expiration date. So how do we do it? How do we become an uncommon friend? First, we have to have an uncommon sacrifice. An uncommon sacrifice. Look at verse 4. Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David. Along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. Now, at first glance, this doesn't sound like much. Right. Jonathan loved David. Gave him his sword, his bow, his belt, the robe, and his tunic. Big deal. Let me, let me unpack this for you. Jonathan was a soldier. David was a soldier. Soldiers make their living with swords and bows and fighting. One, one common rule was you never give up your sword. But you especially never give it up to another soldier. Especially one that you, that's supposed to be your sworn enemy. You know why I think Jonathan did this? I think Jonathan was trying to let David know, hey man, You got all me. You have all of me. Take my sword. Take my bow. Take my robe, my tunic, my belt. Take it. I'm giving up what's rightfully mine to benefit you. You will never know uncommon friendship unless you first know uncommon sacrifice. You will never know uncommon sacrifice until you allow humility to reign in your life. You want to see how willing someone is to be an uncommon friend? Look at what they're willing to let go of. Look at what walls they're willing to tear down or allow to be torn down. You want to know why marriages are falling apart? Because nobody's humble enough. To give it up. To give up the things that are tearing that marriage apart. Friendships busting up because people aren't allowing themselves to be humble enough to let things go. They had an uncommon sacrifice. Lastly, they had an uncommon faithfulness. 1 Samuel chapter 20, verse 3. The Bible says, But David took an oath and said... Your father knows very well that I have found favor in your eyes. And he has said to himself, Jonathan must know this or he will be grieved. Yet as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, there is only one step between me and death. Listen to me, church. David was feeling it. He was feeling the pressure. Saul was out to kill him. And here he has the son of the very man that's going to kill him, the person who has everything to gain by David's death. And Jonathan stands in front of him. He says, hey, man, I'll go talk to my father. You stay here, and I'll ask my father. Surely my father's not trying to kill you. He says, I'll ask him. When he says, where's David? I'll say, he went back to Bethlehem to perform some sacrifices. And if he says, oh, no no big deal, he said, you know you're good. But if he gets mad and burns with anger, I'll know he wants to kill you. And so Jonathan goes and he meets with his father. And his father says, hey, where's David? He says, oh, he went back home to do, perform some sacrifices. And Saul's anger was kindled so much that the Bible's, Bible's language uses it says it like this. It says, and Saul picked up a spear and tried to nail Jonathan to the wall, his own son, he hated David so much, he thought Jonathan was covering for him and was ready to kill his own son. And David and Jonathan have this disagreement. And David says, Look, man, I got everything to lose. Don't you understand? There is but one step between death and me. And I'm supposed to trust you. And Jonathan, that's when he shows him, Hey, man. May this covenant between you and I, not just be between us, but between our families from now until forever. Hey, I'm yours, man. I'm willing to go against my father to benefit you. Church, an uncommon sacrifice, an uncommon faithfulness, an uncommon commitment. That's what creates an uncommon friendship. You see, uncommon friends can speak their minds without fear. Here we call that accountability. That person needs to have free reign to do work in your life. Uncommon friends share their hearts without shame. Hey, you've got to be able to be honest with each other. It can't be any other way. When you're an uncommon friend, hey, you open your doors. You allow that person in. Uncommon friends can stay close even at a distance. I love what Ecclesiastes chapter 4 says. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I want to ask you today, do you have a strand of three friendship with someone? Are you ready to be an uncommon friend? I I don't know what you're fighting. I don't know what you're dealing with. But I do know this. It's impossible to have 500 friends. But because of Jesus, it's possible to have an uncommon friend. 2,000 years ago, Jesus came and died for your sin and for my sin so that we might have life and have it to the full. And let me tell you something. That means community. That means opening ourselves up. That means being willing to invest in other people. That is the Great Commission. Every head bowed, every eye closed. I wouldn't be doing my job if I didn't take an opportunity to give you the opportunity to respond. Hey, look, it ain't easy. But life is better because of Jesus. Church, listen to me. If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, don't don't leave before you make that decision. It's too important. That friendship is too important. If you're here this morning and you say, hey, I don't know who Jesus is. (laughs) Or I don't have a single friend I can count on. Can I tell you, Jesus is here, and this church is ready to rally around you? Would you just lift your hand up? Just lift your hand up. Just say, hey, pray for me. Pray for me. I'm not going to call you out. I ain't going to embarrass you. Just lift your hand up. I just want to pray for you. Amen. Amen. Slide your hand up. Yeah, amen. Maybe you're here this morning, and you say, you know what? I tried to be an uncommon friend, and it blew up in my face. Or I'm trying to be an uncommon friend, but my uncommon friend's not seeing it that way. We talked about friendship being messy and costly. If that's you, would you just lift your hand up? just want to pray for you. Just lift your hand up. Amen. Amen. Man. Amen. That's what it's all about. I'm about to close us in prayer. This altar's open. That's why I love this church. There wasn't an altar here, so we made one. Maybe that that person's here. Maybe you can grab them by the hand and say, hey, come pray with me. Hey, maybe it's your spouse. You say, you know what? We need to cast a vision for our life as husband and wife. Would you come and pray? Do some work today, all right? Do some work. Don't let the devil win. The devil's won too much already. Don't pass this opportunity up. Father, we thank you for who you are. God, we love you. God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the example that you gave all of us in Jesus Christ. Greater love hath no man than this, and he laid down his life for his friends. God, thank you for that example. God, I pray for every hand that was lifted. I pray for every relationship that's about to get overhauled because you're about to intervene. God, we give you all the credit for that. God, help us to leave here differently than the way we showed up so we can go out and change the world. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
0: Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.